Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. My grandmother wanted me to have the china, which had gone to the oldest grandchild for five generations. She told me over the phone last May, slipping the news into a discussion about how to clean my moldy shower curtain. She referred to it as my shower curtain because she refused when discussing anything remotely intimate to acknowledge that Al might use the item too. Thrilled as she was that we were back together, she wasn't thrilled about the living arrangements. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. And today I'm talking to Caitlin hamilton Summy, author of Geographies of the Heart. In this novel in stories, Sarah, a Minnesota college student, meets Al, whom the family adores. She breaks up, graduates, and finally marries him. Sarah and Al start their own family. Her grandparents grow sicker with each passing year, and her younger sister, focused on becoming a doctor and unable to see how she's damaging her own health, forgets that so much about family simply requires showing up. These are heartbreaking, emotional stories about family, loss, and love. Hi, Caitlin. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Galit. Thank you so much for having me. So I remember enjoying your first book of short stories a few years ago. How did you decide to take some of those stories and turn them into a novel? It's interesting that you ask that. I had a number of pieces about this family that didn't make it into the collection. And at a book club, one group asked if I knew what would happen to them all. And I thought, you know, I I do, but I would like to see, I guess I'd like to write their ending. And so I did. Mm, I like it. I know your first career is as a marketer and promoter of books. And I know that you've worked with a number of brilliant authors over the years. Did you always know that you wanted to write your own books? And as a professional book promoter, Is marketing for yourself any easier than it is for the rest of us? I have a big smile on my face, which people can't see. But let me answer the second question first. No, it's not any easier for for those of us who do it professionally all day. I'm blessed that my husband, Rick, is actually my publicist. But it's a tough industry, and it's hard for, I think, any of us. Um, As for the first question... I've always wanted to write. I apparently presented my mother with scribbles um, when I was three and asked her to read my story. And she 
very, very kindly asked me to read it to her because at that time I didn't even know my letters. So I've always written and I've always wanted to publish and I've always wanted to continue to write. Okay. So although there are three voices across the stories, your, pro- your protagonist is Sarah. Can you describe her and help us understand what drew you into creating her? I don't remember what exactly led to Sarah because I start with a voice and write my way toward a character and toward a story. It's one reason my books take so long because I don't plot. I just, I'm, a, I'm just sort of like a mole searching for them. Um, but I've always cared about Sarah. And what I think I love about Sarah is that she is strong and flawed, um, sometimes selfish, but always honest and always honest about who she is and striving to be better. And I think that she goes through some really tough times and she gets resentful, but she's not proud of that. And she tries to find a way to square her disappointments in a more productive way with the life she's chosen to lead. And I think in the end, I love Sarah because she's honorable. Mm-hmm. That, that she is. She has a close relationship, a really close relationship with her grandfather. She takes him every week to hang out with his buddies. Can you describe what's going on? Sarah is the oldest of two in a multi-generational family. And because she um, has had no luck finding a job, and because other people in the family have such demanding schedules or employers, she ends up by default becoming her grandparents' caregiver after she graduates from college. It's also sort of a natural flow in her life because her family has always been really close. She always has cared for her grandparents in one fashion or another. Um, But as she moves into this new part of her life, trying to establish her own identity, um, trying to establish her own relationships and marriage and um, possibly a family, she is faced with the difficulty of watching people age and diminish and eventually pass. And those two things create a lot of tension and grief that she has to she has to manage, but ultimately, um, often alone. Yeah. Grandpa's friend, Larch, one of his buddies, shows up in various stories. Why is he important to several people in the family? I think one of the things that this book, and it wasn't in my plan, but I think one of the, the things this book ends up showing is that not all family is blood. Uh, Larch and the grandfather, um, met during World War II, and they survived World War II together, and they survived something that neither of them can actually discuss with the family, because it's a situation they believe you had to have lived through to do any justice to. Larch doesn't have family. Larch sort of becomes part of their family. And in the end, they all know they can count on him, that his loyalty and love is as important to their family and their family's survival as their love for him is because he has nobody else. And I I think Larch is everything you'd want in sort of the oddball 
extra relative, you know, we all have that quirky relative on the sidelines and, and that is who he is, but he's extremely strong and quiet and dignified. Um, he's important to, to the story for those reasons. Okay. Let's talk about Sarah's parents for a minute. Okay. Well, Sarah's parents, they're, they're great people. Um, they are, um, one is, is working at a garden center. Uh, the other is an administrator at the University of Minnesota. And they adore their families. They stand by their families. But in, in the ways that they let their kids down, um, I think it, it, it's similar to the ways lots of parents let their kids down. They're busy. They're in demanding jobs. Um, and so as much as they love Sarah, um, as much as they want to protect and love their family, they let her down because in the end, she is caregiving more than she should, more than she's capable of. We see Sarah struggling with her relationship to her sister, Glenny. Can you talk about that relationship and how it evolves? I think that one of the things that was really important to me was that Glenny was not seen as a villain. She is dedicated to her career, to her her goal since childhood of becoming a doctor. And that's a, a wonderful thing, that she knows who she is and what she wants. The problem with Glenny is how she manages that or fails to um, at, at the t- pardon me, in regard to her family, she becomes increasingly absent and sort of lets Sarah manage all these things, even as Sarah is trying to manage her own hopes and dreams for a growing family. Um, and so Sarah becomes bitter uh, toward Glenny, and there is a significant rift I think one of the things that's important to understand and one of the things that I think a lot of readers come to see is that ultimately what this is is a battle for control. Sarah has a very definite view of what family should be. Glenny's is more relaxed. Um, Sarah sort of wields the family history and stories like a prize. You know, I was here. I heard this. Um... But Glenny is is actually quite ill. Um, Glenny has an eating disorder, and so she is trying simply to hold herself together enough to to meet her goal, to fulfill her dream. And so, the various kinds of control they're trying to exercise over each other, Sarah wanting to Glenny to show, Glenny wanting to you know continue to work, those all come to sort of a clashing, resounding um, moment in the story. But really, it's about control. Okay. Yeah. Al, Sarah's husband, is just a great guy. We never see him falter. How did Sarah luck into such a successful relationship and marriage? That's an interesting question that nobody has asked. I've heard so often about how much people love Al, and I love Al. I love Al. And I think the reason that they make it is because of two things. One is that Al is a very forgiving person. Um, He doesn't 
let her get away with things. He calls out certain behaviors and decisions, but he is a forgiving person. And I think the other reason they make it is that Sarah and Al always look for the light in each other. Um, And they're not people, I guess there are three things. They're not people who are going to give up on family either. Um, Al never had a great family life. Sarah has. And I think they're committed to making it work. They know when, when they've been doing well, what they can be. And um, that commitment to each other and to the best of each other is, I think, what sees them through. Yeah. Al makes his living as a religious studies professor, which is interestingly what my husband does, too. He's very clear, though. Al is very clear about not being religious. Can you say more? Al has never really been a man of faith, though he grew up in a family of faith. And Sarah does come from a family of faith. And I think he always um, has looked at religion um, with an intellectual um, perspective, because because he is forgiving. He is interested in forgiveness and redemption and in the role faith plays in American culture. But uh, toward the end, I think he has a different view because of something that happens to Sarah and himself. I think he I think he becomes a, a person of faith, of spirit, um, because I don't want to give a spoiler, but I think he has a moment of great hope um, in regard and response to a certain loss. Mm-hmm. There's a very touching scene in which Sarah sees a commercial advertising children who are waiting to be adopted, and she falls in love with Beth. How do you explain that? Well, Sarah has never, and Al have never quite had the family they hoped for. And they also feel that in their community, their community has not always taken care of all the kids, um, that there have been some problems in the neighborhood with parenting that have, have caused problems for some of the kids. And I think Sarah's heart just goes out to this, this kid. I mean, she's, she's not a baby. Uh, and she knows exactly what's going on, that she is trying to find a family and a home, and Sarah is heartbroken. And I think, I won't quote the line exactly, but, you know, she turns to Al and basically says, how would it feel to be her age? And no, nobody wants you. Well, Sarah, mm. Sarah and Al do. I think it's just the most human, gut-wrenching response. She knows what that girl knows. How heartbreaking. It upsets me, and I wrote the book. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm an old broad, and I wanted to go adopt a six-year-old, too. Um, Okay, Caitlin, I don't cry very often, but there was one chapter that had me reaching for tissue. How did you manage to make the story of one small family connect so strongly to all of our stories? Well, I'm, I'm... touched uh, that the story reached you in that way and that you cared so much. I think I've often said that what matters to me in this story is not the factual truth in terms of, you know, a lot of people ask me if it's my family and it's not my family, but the emotional truth. I really want this book to be emotionally true, that when people read it, um, they understand 
how Sarah might feel about Glennie's absences um, day after day when she's swamped trying to care for grandparents, doesn't understand all the medical vocabulary, and and the person who would has yet again not shown. Um, I want them to understand how she might feel seeing Beth um, on that show about adopting kids. And I think um, that that's where I hope a more universal reading experience comes in from the fact that we've all suffered loss, we've all been resentful, we've all had great hope. Um, and if if I've done it right, then those are things that are conveyed in a way that does touch people. Mm-hmm. Yep. The family quilt has a starring role and it appears in several stories. Can you say more about it? The family quilt is is made only by the women in the family, and it's gone back for generations. And it, it um, is a quilt in which each woman puts in just a single square to represent her life. And it is symbolic of the ways in which all these women are connected and yet individuals. It's also a patchwork quilt which to me spoke of the messy lines and the imperfect nature of family and relationships. Um, But because it has endured for generations, it was also a symbol of this flawed family made up of flawed individuals bound by love and great hope um, who are going to endure. Yeah, that that is it. I think I'm sorry to put this book back on the shelf. I might have to keep it next to me for a few more weeks. Hope you don't mind. Uh, I'm honored. Um, So what are you working on next? Um, I'm a little bit in transition. My books, as I said, do take me a long time. Uh, My first book took me about 25 years. And although this one overlapped, it was probably about 27 or 28. So um, I think I'm in a little bit of a, a transition period. I am interested in picking up a middle grade novel that I've been working on for about 11 or 12 years. So, um, you know, I'm halfway, given how long I right, write. Right. I'm halfway. <laughs> Needs more marinating. Yes, it okay. has to marinate, but a middle grade novel, I hope. Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much for joining me, Caitlin. Thank you. It's been a, pl- a pleasure. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining me today. Again, this is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking to Caitlin Hamilton Summy about her novel, Geographies of the Heart. Hope you're all able to lose yourself in a good book today and tomorrow, too. Happy reading, everyone.